Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, congratulations to the House of Representatives who finally, I guess after almost getting a Supreme Court justice killed by ignoring security, they finally decided. Nancy Pelosi last week thought it was no big deal whatsoever. What's the big deal? They have security sort of thing. Meanwhile, we went through this last week to... Two men with a gun stopped, good men with the gun stopped a bad guy with a gun. Who would have thought that that happened last week? But anyhow, they finally have passed the bill in the House um, to grant, grant the security necessary. We've gone through this a little bit, and I don't want to get bogged down here today, but I do think it's worth noting. You know, they, they've, the Senate has put together this gun control proposed gun control bill, which we'll talk a little bit about today. And, you know, for a long time now, a long time now, you've heard people say, Congress just has to do something. It's time to do something. Got to do something, something, something. And folks, I understand. I understand the desire to just wish that somebody somewhere could snap their fingers and make a law that would prevent this atrocious uh, atrocious wickedness from existing on planet Earth. And the truth is that's simply not the way it's going to work. Sure, there's some things that might potentially, I don't, look, there's things that might make some of these, um, these things more difficult. And we should try to find, I'm not saying we shouldn't even do that, but this idea, this idea that the government can just make a law, and every problem goes away. I just, uh, I just wish that we would understand that that is not the way that it works in this world. It just isn't. I, I there, there are countless examples of this, and compare and contrast that with this, this bill. Uh, where is it? I don't even know if I have it. If I have a link to that, there it is. The security bill for the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm looking here, National Review, yesterday, late in the afternoon. House finally passes SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, security bill. More than a month after the Senate. Remember this. You just compare and contrast. They literally could send people, if they they just passed the bill, they could send additional security needed for the families of Supreme Court justices. There are nine. There are nine Supreme Court justice families. Nine. You can count them on two hands. Got a thumb to spare. Nine families. They hold it up for a month, my friends. And you just compare that that is you want to talk about doing something and preventing gun violence against Supreme Court justices. And I'm again, I'm not saying the other debate can't happen, shouldn't happen, or whatever. I am simply saying here is a very simple thing that could have been done 
was ignored. It was ignored for a month by Nancy Pelosi. In fact, I don't have the soundbite, but you remember when she was asked about this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, she kind of blew it off like, what are you talking about? It's right after uh, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh was, again, this has not been talked about in the media, or if it is, it's kind of blown off as though it's no big deal. You know, the, the attempt at his life was stopped, which thank goodness it was. But why was it? wasn't because of what the House of Representatives um, were doing. The Senate passed this bill unanimously. It passed the House 396 to 27. So here are the radical leftists. I'm not going to go through the names. But the radicals who voted no, no on this. I <laughs> just, again, a simple, very concrete, a very logical you know, we have stirred the hornet's nest, not you and I, but the radical left. Ruth sent us, that group, the group that doxed the Supreme Court justices of the United States and folks that have encouraged protests. Not just pro, it's not protest when you protest outside their house, folks. This is intended to be intimidation. This is intending to be really one of the last tools in the arsenal of the radical left and trying to prevent the overturning of the Roe versus Wade and Casey decisions. And this was what this was, well, this is precisely what they, huh, mm, some of the radicals wanted. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it. And this, in the until yesterday, the House didn't do anything to stop it. Where were the calls to do something about this? And the something that was proposed, sending more house, uh, more security to the nine families, nine, again, counting them on two hands, very practical, very reasonable, makes sense, you can understand all. More security can stop people, the bad guys with guns, Nancy Pelosi and radical House members. They just, now, they just voted on this yesterday. Again, passed unanimously in the Senate. I just, this stuff needs to be repeated consistently. Now, let's compare. I guess let's use that as a jumping off point. By the way, email, thoughts, questions, opinions, feedback, adoration, and praise, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. It's where you can send those emails. And then, of course, you can join our online conservative, not bitter community. It's free. Um, there's some things. We're, <laughs> we're doing more and more things in there. In fact, I've got, I've got something that... Um, you may want to see behind the scenes, and I might touch on this later in the show, time permitting, um, a text exchange I received from one of our uh, one of our loyal listeners. Um, his name's Joaquin, and I'm just going to mention briefly that we're doing this. I'm, I'm getting feedback from you, and I've asked for the past couple of days if you have interest in having an online viewing party or whatever we want to call this of 2,000 mules and potentially even having like a, a session where we sit down in our online community and talk about what's in the documentary, which is a lot. I'm going to tell you it's a lot. I've seen it once and I'll watch it again. We can chat in the chat feature during this thing, whatever. And so I said, if, if that's of interest to you, you're not committing to anything. You're just letting me know, hey, I may be interested in doing that, Todd. You text mules to 
317-210-2830. And I appreciate it. I've heard from I've heard from some of you. And one of the <laughs> Joaquin actually asked, because I said, hey, it's Todd. Thanks for letting me know. And Joaquin said, is this really Todd? Yeah, folks, it was. I am literally kind of excited about what we're going to do with this community. And one of the things is looking at having this viewing party. And yes, I am the one that's text. I haven't sent him a picture back with me. My son and I, son, my son and I were at lunch and I sent, <laughs> I sent him a picture. So yes, I am sending, the, sending those text messages. Anyway, you can connect with us in the community is the point as well. Community.toddhuffshow.com. So let us get here to this bipartisan Senate I'm going to call it gun control bill. Now, some people will really get upset at that, um, but that is ultimately what we're trying to do is to control um, the the sale, the distribution, and so forth of of firearms. And I'm not even saying necessarily. Well, there there are people that have good intentions on that. There are people that don't have good intentions on that, and they see this as a way. Uh, to violate and abuse people's Second Amendment rights. That is, but not every, some people I really think, especially rank and file people say, hey, let's let's just figure out a way to try to prevent this this atrocious evil stuff that's happening. And if there's a way to do it, I'm open to hear it sort of thing. So the Senate, group of Democrats, a group of Republicans, I went through some of the names, some of the names. I think Mitt Romney's in that group. I don't even, uh, Susan Collins is in that group. Tom Tillis is in that group. Uh, Richard Burr, I'd have to look. I don't have the full list here. But anyway, this Senate bill, what we're being told at this particular point in time, and I've withheld talking about this much because of precisely not knowing um, not knowing what exactly we we've heard frameworks discussed but that's not an actual bill and that stuff could be used to manipulate what's really in a bill and it's you know a lot of things I just kind of ignore all that that chatter and all sorts of uh, you know I don't know all the press and stuff that that jump onto that. I wait until we begin to see what this is specifically going to look like because that's what matters. So I'm looking here, WashingtonExaminer.com. This is in our stack of stuff at community.tidehuffshow.com if you want to see any of the articles that I reference and even some that I don't. But it says this. It talks about this bill and what it would do. So I'm going to read from this. It says the reforms would tackle a number of issues in gun law that Democrats have characterized as problematic, though in some cases not as directly as the left had wanted. The bill would fund grants, right? Listen to this part. The bill would fund grants, which, of course, um, this is something that D.C. does. Uh, I've served on a school board before. They fund grants, and then they say, hey, if you want the money, you got to do X, Y, and Z. This is one of the things that they they do. It's a common... I would say tactic. I would say, and I would use that in a negative way, because used to states raised taxes and sent it to D.C. to pay for the government. Now 
the federal government raises taxes and gives it back to states to do what it wants to do. And regardless of it being specifically with this gun legislation, that whatever the legislation is, I just want you to know that fundamentally I oppose this sort of structure being done. I don't like this. This this violates, in my opinion, or this, this puts that, uh, an undue burden on states' rights as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, so... Be that as it may, this bill would fund grants meant to incentivize states to pass their own red flag laws. So there won't be a, well, as it stands right now, there will not be a federal red flag law, which that part is good news. That part is good news. Now, the Washington Examiner here says red flag laws enable a court to determine whether a gun owner is dangerous enough to require authorities to take his or her firearms. That's I don't. I want to be careful. So I like the Washington Examiner, but that's not entirely accurate. It does enable a court to determine it, but they start with the assumption that you need them taken away, and you have to prove that you're not a danger to get them back. That's at least typically the way red flag laws work. So that needs to be um, pointed out. Now they also point out in this article, red flag laws typically work by enabling. Um, friends and family, so it's supposed to be close people, people that are close to you, to petition a court to issue crisis intervention orders which allow for the removal of guns for, from a person's home. So you see what happens. The A family member, friend, I mean, who knows? This is going to be done by individual states, so it can vary, right? It could be maybe it's fa- family, maybe it's friend, maybe it's coworker, maybe it's neighbor, maybe it's where is it? who knows? Um, someone makes a report on you. They call the police. Uh, they they file this crisis intervention order, and they come and take your guns. And then the court determines whether or not you sh- you were dangerous enough to uh, to have them or not. According to the article at the WashingtonExaminer.com, the deal also would close what's known as the quote boyfriend loophole. So, federal law prohibits. Anyone convicted of abusing their spouse, live-in partner, or co-parent from buying a firearm, but it does not stop an abusive dating partner from obtaining a gun, according to Every Town for Gun Safety, a gun control advocacy group. Now, again, looking at the WashingtonExaminer.com, so they're saying instead of just having spouses, live-in partners, co-parents, let's also make sure that boyfriends... Um, are not somehow getting around this part of the law as well. Um, I'm going to pause. I'm doing. I'm trying to do better here of keeping us on time. So I'm going to pause, take a timeout, come back, pick up, go through where we are with this proposed Senate gun legislation, this gun control, this gun deal, this gun legislation, whatever you want to call this. Um, And we'll go through this after the break. Quick timeout is in order, my friends. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So let's go back through some of these things with the proposed gun Legislation here in the wake of these uh, various evil, wicked, atrocious, inexcusable 
horrific shootings, Uvalde, Buffalo, um, or of course the two that people think of um, as far as the recent shootings are concerned. Those are the two that seem to be discussed the most. So we talked about a couple of the things that are in this legislation in the previous segment of the program. Now let's get into a couple of other things here. So um, we went through, I guess we'll summarize really quickly. Last segment we went through funding, funding for states, incentivizing states to pass their own red flag laws, meaning it doesn't appear there's going to be a red flag law in like a federal red flag law. Instead, they're going to try to get states to create their own through some sort of a financial incentive. Um, If our state, you know, look, folks, I had a discussion with someone today. I say to you the same thing that, that I mean, I'm not going to disclose information or anything is who I talk to, but same thing I told this person, I'm going to tell you, and I don't care. I mean, if you're the Republican Party leadership listening right now, I look, I don't, I don't consider myself a Republican. I do uh, vote Republican, but I'm not real content. I'll be honest with the leadership of the Republican Party in this in this state. I'm not. I'm in Indiana. For those of you that we have listeners all over the country and world, but um, I'm in Indiana, and Indiana has got a lot of Republicans, but they're not. Oh, I don't know. It's hard to find a principled conservative. Um, the ones that are principled conservatives. Oh, I'm trying not to be too harsh here, but one of the biggest problems across the country, besides Republicans are either not conservative enough or they're conservative, but they're just not, I don't know, they're they're afraid. And that's why people like Ron DeSantis or even Trump was drew so much, and what do I want to say, just connected with people so much because they thought finally someone who's not afraid, someone who's not afraid to do these things. Anyway, um, so I hope I hope that our state doesn't start looking into these red flag laws because it's got some money tied to it. Our state being incentivized. I don't I'm not a big fan of this at all. Red flag laws. Um, Tucker Carlson is right on this. I mean, at least when he says that this is how I would say it as well, which is the beginning of the elimination of due process, which is a fundamentally important American concept or a concept that free people should embrace. It is terrifying where things can go if we eliminate due process. So that's in the law. And then this boyfriend loophole, um, which would be added so that people who were convicted of abusing girlfriends would also not be able to get a gun. On top of that, lawmakers agreed to set aside billions of dollars, with a B, for expanded mental health and school safety programs. Those include investments in expanding telehealth access for young people in need of mental health care, as well as investments in violence prevention efforts at school. I may be in the minority here. Again, this is I'm looking at the WashingtonExaminer.com. Um, I I've, I've been on the record. I've said this multiple times. 
we immediately go to mental health, mental health. And I'm not here to say that none of these are mental health problems. That's not my point. But <laughs> I think I think that there is a problem. There is there is a moral problem in our country. And I also would say to you, I also say to you, especially to people here in the state who like Governor Holcomb, Governor Holcomb hunkered down in this together with whoever he's in it together with. He would say, well, he did say by vetoing the bill that said biological uh, boys cannot, he vetoed that bill. Biological men or males cannot compete in women, uh, women's athletics. Of course, that was overridden. But the point is, the point is that if we're going to, I don't, I don't separate these ideas. If we are going to teach things that are just not rooted in truth and goodness and morality, and then we act like we're surprised when we have a mental health problem, I, to me these things, first of all, they get a little bit, um, what's the word I want to use here? They get a little bit mixed together, um, but one also maybe can lead to the other. If we're not teaching morally good, solid, fundamental truths across the board, if we're teaching people, young people, that whatever they want to do is cool, whoever they want to do it with, you know, all things go, it doesn't matter, just live it up, you know, to, to heck with the consequences of your choices or whatever, which is, is kind of what's been taught for some time. In certain areas, now some people don't obviously do this, and this is not a blanket statement against educators, but I've seen, we've seen this. We've seen this in our public education system. We've seen this in other parts of education in general, not just public, but we've seen a deterioration of moral truth, not the, the way that we accept and recognize moral truth. So to me, saying something is just to say, you know, just putting more money at mental health is going to fix a problem. I think you also have to address some of the things that are being taught and not not teaching all these things as morally equivalent and then somehow wondering when we've corrupted the minds of young people to not have a way to gauge right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil um, because we've, we've made everything morally equivalent. I think, how does that... I mean, if that doesn't at least impact someone's mental health, that's what we want to call it, someone's um, ability or desire to accept the good and the true, that I don't, to me, those things are at least connected. But there's money set aside here. And again, I'm not against that. I'm, I'm not. I just think that we have to think in terms of <laughs> an eroding moral fabric can affect people in a lot of ways, right? I think that that's an obvious, an obvious thing. This article goes through, I'm going to really quickly hit these uh, last couple of points, addressing a, oh, sorry, in an effort to regulate further what kinds of gun transactions require federal background checks, the deal would also clarify the definition of what constitutes a commercial firearm dealer whose transactions are subject to, to more stringent background check requirement than than private sellers. So they're trying to get uh, background checks 
to as many gun transactions uh, as possible. And the truth is, background checks apply to most to a, a very um, very large percentage of transactions as it is. But they're trying to say, you know, let's let's have more of these. Also, in WashingtonExaminer.com, this is in our show notes at community.tothubshow.com. If you want to see that addressing a particularly contentious sticking point given that the shooting suspects in Uvalde and Buffalo were both 18 years old. The deal the deal would implement new background check requirements on prospective gun owners under the age of 21. Anyone looking to buy certain kinds of rifles under 21 would have to wait until an enhanced background check was completed before they could pick up his or her guns. Handgun sales are already illegal for those under 21. So they didn't, this bill is not going to, um, well, lower the, or raise, I should say, the purchase age from 18 to 21 for, uh, for rifles. Um, and so there's, but they are trying to add some additional background checks. And then finally, the bill would also crack down more aggressively on straw purchasing when someone who is legally able to buy a gun purchases one on behalf of someone who is not. Um, again, details still pending, but this is this is what it looks like this final piece of legislation is shaping up to, to be anyway. So that's where we are. Oz is pointing to the clock. She would be correct. I'm going to take a timeout. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a moment. friends you know i'm i got lots of stuff i want to get to here today um but i do want to pause here this segment and i'm going to keep this as quick as i can short and to the point um but i referenced earlier that i gotten folks i get some of the nicest messages um emails and texts I'm getting some text now at the at the number from the folks who are signing up for um well, not signing up, the folks that have an interest, and thanks for those of you that have uh, responded, to watching 2,000 Mules on our, you know, have a screening of that on our online community. Again, if you're interested in Mules, text the word Mules, 317-210-2830. We'll keep you, uh, um, get information to you as we begin to look at uh, doing that. But I got a, uh, a response today, and... I just I feel like I have to share it because these sorts of things um, just they just make my day. I I just the people I've said this before the people in this audience the people who are our advertisers I have the I have the fortune of meeting some of the just some wonderful people I really sincerely mean this and um joaquin is the uh, gentleman that i was texting with today didn't believe it was me responding to the text and it was he says is this really you and so i sent him a picture (laughs) giving him the uh, trump thumbs up here i said yes i'm at lunch with my son he's helping with some things as we grow um and and joaquin has some really nice things to um to share with me and I just, I don't know, folks. It's 
it's just amazing, I think. Joaquin's, I, I don't even know where Joaquin, I think Joaquin's West Coast, so I think he's he listens to the the podcast. And and just the, the medium and how how it connects people, right? And how we can, I don't know, build that bond and, and encourage each other. I mean, I hope that the things you hear me say are educational, entertaining, and energizing. That's one of the things that we seek to do on this program. Those three things, entertain, educate, energize, right? I want conservative Christian conservatives, conservative Christians, conservative atheists for that matter. I want people who believe in limited government and the freedom of the individual to to know that we're actually winning in a lot of places. It may not look that way because you have to understand and realize that we're dealing with a bunch of professional deceivers in the media and so forth. And we've got a political party that's now run by a bunch of radical leftists. And we've talked about extensively how people have been awakened. People, you can't, you cannot ignore politics today. Part of that's because of Trump and his ability to deliver it to virtually every person. You couldn't ignore Trump. You almost had to have a position. Do I like him, love him, or hate him? There really wasn't any I could take him or leave him sort of thing. There's no room with Trump for that or room for that with Trump, I guess I should say. And so, but I, I'm just, I'm encouraged. And as I'm, I, I was going to read some of these, um, I just, I, I don't, he, he's, he's just, he said some very nice things about the show. I, I'm not comfortable as I'm starting to, to read this. Um, although he's, I will say he said that he strongly believes in what we stand for and um, had some very nice things to say about the show, uh, the, the program, my family. These things encourage me. I mean, they do. I, I sometimes think I do a disservice by not... There's a lot of things to this story. And we talk about politics and the issues, but sometimes I want to tell you some things. And I'll, you know what? To be candid, we're about to open to launch this show in, in two new markets. And I want to tell you who they are, but I'm just maybe a week or so from being able to just to say that, where these markets are. You've heard of them, unless you've been educated in public school. I'm just teasing. But you've heard of them, the cities. And, you know, you, you look at what's lining up for us, and I mentioned that we mentioned yesterday we've got a new temp team member that I refer to as Fancy Pants. I just, I think we we have a lot of things going in the right direction. But, you know, starting the, starting a business at all or doing something like this, it's not, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. But you, you encourage me. I hope I encourage you. I hope we entertain you. I hope we give you hope. You guys do the same for me. Joaquin did that yesterday. And I just wanted to share that um, and say thank you to Joaquin. I'm probably going to post these on the online community which you can get to by going to community.toddhuffshow.com. It'll be our free, well, there's a free section of the community. And you can you can see some of the messages uh, that Joaquin sent. Um, but it's not just Joaquin. I hear from a lot of you through email, and I appreciate it. And I hope I can be a blessing back to you, a portion of what you've been to me, because these things really do help some days. And yesterday... You know, with everything going on yesterday, it was a it, it really kind of um, 
I don't know, lit my fire a little bit, a little bit more because um, when you hear these things and, and see the, the connection and the impact and so forth, it's just encouraging. So grateful for you. Thank you, Joaquin in particular, and for the many others that, that write, I try to write back as much as I can. Um, but even if I don't always get to it, I, I read them all and um, appreciate it in more ways than I can express. So just wanted to say those words, quick time out, my friends, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. I don't know if you follow this or not. This, this is, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference a story here. I was going to talk about Kareem... Jean Pierre, she, she's a disaster as press, press secretary at the White House. And by the way, in case a leftist is listening, this has nothing to do, nothing to do with her being a black female immigrant from the LGBTQIP2SAA community. And that is, by the way, the full acronym for those of you who are wondering. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do that she's unqualified. They literally asked her a question yesterday <clears throat> about baby formula shortage. She sat there for 15, I'm not exaggerating, it's at least 15 seconds, flipping through the binder. It is, it is embarrassing. And then she says, I don't know, I don't have, I don't have anything in this binder about that. I don't have a freaking clue, pretty much, you know. Of course, no one else does in the media, or excuse me, this administration, well, the media either, but the administration as well, which of course is one of the reasons why limited government works and big government doesn't, because they can't, they can't manage their own house, let alone the entire economy. This is so obvious to me. But I want to, in the moments that we have left here, I've made a last-second decision here. I want to talk about, uh, there's a Supreme Court ruling that's coming very soon, and it's about the high school football coach in Washington State who at the end of football games would kneel and pray at the 50-yard line. He was fired effectively, I think 2015, um, for, for praying, and this has gone to the Supreme Court. We're waiting on the decision, this sort of, you know, this is kind of waiting. But Sports Illustrated had written an article about this, and again, it's in a stack of stuff on the community page if you want to read it. It's long. It is a long article, but I think it's 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 a good read to get information as far as what both sides are saying. One side is right here, by the way, which is the side that protects religious liberty. I want to be clear. But they quote Rachel, I think it's Laser, L-A-S-E-R, of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. She's the she's the attorney for the school district that's involved in this lawsuit, the school that fired this high school football coach. And she's also the president, or whatever they call it, for the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. She says this, and I want to point this out because I talk about this very thing. I talk about this very thing in, um, well, I guess in, in general, but here's a specific example of what I mean and why I think this is so dangerous. She says this, uh, that's what this case is about, a movement that is so determined they are not willing to stop. They being Christian conservatives, as she, as she frames it, it's Christian nationalists. It's, it's people who want a theocracy. This is not what the average Christian conservative wants. This is not what most, this is not at all what people are arguing for. People are arguing 
for the right of someone to exercise their First Amendment rights. This is it. A coach can pray. This should be, this is a no-brainer. But she adds this statement. They, that'd be who she's framing as Christian, white nationalist, fascist, Christian conservative. She's throwing everybody into one little bucket here that's not uh, consistently true. I mean, that she's, she's intentionally in, uh, conflating who's in that bucket. But she says this, they, they are willing to destroy our democracy to achieve their ends. Now, I point this out because this is precisely what I mean. When I say the radical left wants to talk about democracy, they've hammered this in, democracy, democracy, democracy. And folks, we have a constitutional republic. We have a democratic republic, if you will, which means there are certainly democratic aspects, but we do not have a pure democracy. And that's a good thing because that is the, the tyranny of the majority. What we have is a republic, a republic that respects the rights of the smallest minority, which is always the individual, the individual. And so the individual here is this high school coach. His rights are enumerated, not all of them, but some of them in the, in the Bill of Rights, which is in the Constitution, First Amendment right um, to exercise his religious beliefs freely. And so what they what this person, this Rachel Laser, president, attorney, whatever, Americans United for Separation Church and State, she's saying people like conservative Christians, people who believe in the free exercise of religion, are willing to destroy our democracy to achieve their ends, which of course she says is some sort of a creating some theocratic, white nationalistic... I mean, it's just it's the, ridiculous is what it is. Now, are there some people out there somewhere? Yes. Is it the fringe? Absolutely. That is not what most people believe, though. But notice how subtle this is. They're willing to destroy our democracy. Of course, they use... That's the phrase she used. They use these terms um, to... Well, it's because these, these things have been used so much that these people begin to, you know... It's subtle, but it's powerful. And so don't let them convince us. Make sure people know that we have a type of government that respects the rights of the minority down to the individual, that no matter what the majority says, they don't sacrifice or give up those rights. A pure democracy can take it away. A constitutional republic cannot. And I've got to take a break. Back here in just a minute. My friends, I got a quick story. I'm going to try to get to this really quickly. When I was in D.C. talking about the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, I'm reminded of this. Back in 1999, American University, um, we had, at the time, Barry Lynn was the president, or he might have been the founder. I don't know. He was the president at the time of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, and he was coming in to have a debate. And I remember asking, I prepared a question to ask him, because at the time... At the time, his organization had a, what was it, a, an icon, a graphic that said celebrating 50 years of religious freedom because it was referencing the separation of church and state. Now, Barry Lynn was also a pastor, so I, I came up with this question, which I think is a, I don't know, a good question, and I said, Professor, or not Professor, but Mr. Lynn, um, I'm asking you this question as a, as a pastor, not as a anything else, but the Bible says Jesus 
is the way, the truth, and the life, and that the truth will set you free. I said, so what is, you know, how do you reconcile that with the tagline that says celebrating 50 years of religious freedom by trying to say let's get biblical teachings and Christ out of the public square, not not as the theocracy, but just as a discussion point. But what I didn't account for, and this was a lesson that stuck with me still to this day, was his ability to evade and not answer the question, and this is what they do. I'm just out of time. I've got to go. Have a great day. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.